0: Welcome friends and fans to the Americana Station podcast. This is episode number six. We got Chris Moist today. He's an East Nashville resident. Um, actually bumped into him the other night, uh, with actually Nick Nace, who is uh, ubiquitous as you will hear on the podcast. And, um, we were playing some darts and some pool over, uh, at Mickey's with some friends and hanging out and drinking and always having a good time. Chris is a good hang and i uh, um, so happy to have him on the podcast today. Um, the book that I could not remember of the book of poetry is Leonard Cohen's Book of Longing. Um, we were both a little hungover and, and may have forgotten a, a thing or two on this podcast episode, so I apologize for that in advance. Um, make sure to check out Chris on all his social media, which uh, will actually be at the end of this, but I'll go ahead and say right now it's Chris M O Y S E, dot com. And uh, of course, he's on all the social uh, webs and all that stuff. So, uh, let's get into this episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Americana Station podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Chris Moyes. He has a new EP out called Bad Parts, and uh, he was the 2017 winner of Kerrville New Folk. Welcome, Chris. How you doing?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming by this early in the morning on a Saturday. (laughs) Appreciate that. How have things been going? You've been on tour?
1: Yeah, I just got off a tour. um, Did a two week run with my friend Kirsten Maxwell. Kind of uh, started in Nashville. We were gonna play Blue Plate Special out in Knoxville, and we got about forty minutes outside of town, and my radiator cracked. So, uh, dang. So, so four hundred dollars later, and we missed our first show. And I was like, oh, this is probably not the best start. But uh, yeah, we we um, played in Nashville the next. The next day and kind of just went up the East Coast and through New England. And That's awesome. Did the thing.
0: So, And you're from New England. So you yes. went up to your hometown? Or? Yep.
1: From uh, Monroe, Connecticut originally. Um, so we kind of used that as like a sort of home base once we got up north and then did some offshoots and stuff up there. But uh, yeah. How long was the uh, tour for? Uh, I think it was about 11 or 12 days. Um, we had a couple couple off days in there um but yeah almost almost two weeks which i think is like just the just the right amount it wasn't so long that i was like itching to get back home but not too short either so yeah that's always great i
0: hate whenever you know you get that three week range and Uh even if the person's amazing you start like just (laughs) hating being around them
1: (laughs) yeah i think part of it's just uh you know realizing your uh your personality and and some people have a need for alone time here and there too but uh yeah fortunately the girl i was out with is just a really she's an incredible musician but a really easy uh person to get along with too her name's kirsten maxwell A name dropper
0: name dropping That's <laughs> awesome, um so you started out playing music in connecticut or did you yeah move here?
1: i played uh I guess I was in some like, um, pop punk bands when I was around like 12 or 13 during my formative years. And, uh, we were just playing like blank 182 and some right. 41 covers and stuff like that. But Hey, you got to start somewhere. I meet so many people down here who are like, Oh yeah. Like my first show was like, uh, was like Slayer or like on the other spectrum, like Neil Young. And I'm like, <laughs> took me like probably another 10 years to start listening to stuff like that. but Yeah,
0: my, my go-to band growing up was Green Day, so <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that yeah. one. Oh, yeah. for sure.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, did that a little bit in high school, kind of started writing and moving a little, well, some, somewhat closer towards the sound that I have now, but kind of away from that pop punk thing. Um, yeah, played in played in a band in high school and... Um, yeah, I went to college at University of Connecticut, and I was playing um, bars there at the time and kind of doing the the cover thing and not really writing too much. I really didn't start writing again until until I got down to Nashville, which is about five years ago now. Okay. And here we are.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time I heard you was at, what was that um, divey place that closed? Charlie Bob's. Charlie Bob's. Yeah. Yeah, and you played... That's right. Um... The song, I'm not going home tonight. Oh, the, uh, the
1: bad parts, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: That song was so good. Thank and you, man. That was the first time I ever heard you. I was like, oh, damn. I
1: appreciate that.
0: Um, but, uh, so you've, you moved to Nashville five years ago. hmm And um, what have you been doing in the meantime? Just writing songs? Or?
1: Yeah, for the most part. Um, it's funny, somebody was asking me the other day that if I moved to Nashville for music and my answer has always been no, I think I, like I, so I graduated college and I worked a logistics job. So I was just basically working with truck drivers all day. And I did that for about like two and a half years and was living with my folks, um, just saving money. And then that got really old as living with your folks for two and a half years can get regardless of how wonderful they are and they're wonderful. But, uh, so, yeah, so I saved a saved a bunch of money and was just like, Okay, we're I gotta move out of the house. I wanna move far enough away that I can't come home too often and my mom can't drop in on me. Um <laughs> so uh I just kinda picked Nashville out of the blue, um, gave two weeks' notice at my job and yeah, like three weeks later was had all my stuff packed into my little Honda Civic. Um and I drove down here. Yeah, I think um like I said, I mean, I wasn't really writing at that time. But after about six months of being in Nashville and kind of going to shows and going out, I was like, uh, "I need to do this again," which meant writing really bad songs for a while. Oh yeah. Hopefully, uh, I do that less now. But there were some <laughs> some rough patches in the beginning there, I'm sure. But
0: that was a, it. Was a similar story for me. I, I graduated in public relations and moved here to a music publicist i didn't have any intention of actually being a songwriter initially Mm -hmm. and uh yeah after i guess it was probably a year because i was doing a lot of side work like playing bass and electric guitar for people and stuff like that after Mm -hmm. about a year and a year and a half i decided that i wanted to do it so yeah
1: sometimes it just sucks you in you don't even expect it well especially this town too like people people be like what do you what do you listen to like that's that's, several people asked me on tour like what my influences are and who i'm listening to and i'm like honestly just my friends yeah and uh i don't know i think if you live in nashville and you're not going to shows you're you know if you're interested in music you're doing yourself a disservice by not going out because there's a lot of amazing music at little tiny dive bars like pretty much every night of the week um but yeah it's just i think being in in this culture being around those people that seeped in and I was just like, okay, I care about this too much to not at least try to do it, you know? Yeah.
2: And
0: yeah.
1: you're killing it now. Thanks. So. Well, trying.
0: When you're not busting radiators. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so your, your next tour, you're heading where you said you're, I'm going there.
1: to, um, I'm home for a few weeks and then I'm going, t- uh, down to Texas. Okay. Um, again with uh my buddy nick nace who's another really great writer but uh yeah we we went down there i guess it was a couple months ago now um and it was just really good it was um it was good to kind of get out of nashville and realize that there's uh a deep love for singer songwriters elsewhere yeah um because nashville definitely feels like kind of a hub for that but the other side of that too is it's As I'm sure you know, it's tough to make a buck playing music in Nashville sometimes. Right, yeah. Um, But down in Texas, it's like, you know, there's opportunities down there. There's people who listen to you, I think. um, Especially non-songwriters. I call them civilians sometimes, but that sounds terrible. (laughs) Um, It's a little sense of elitism, just kidding. Um, But yeah, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who don't, you know formally play music down there who have right a deep love for it and it's kind of it's kind of nice feeds the narcissist in me because it <laughs> it's so funny because i'm from louisiana and
0: i didn't realize that there was a songwriter community such a strong songwriter community in louisiana until mm-hmm. i left and oh you really see like all these people that yeah. are amazing You're like why didn't i know these people when yeah, i was yeah, there yeah. but they they're just hiding out in mm-hmm. certain places i
1: think every place kind of seems like uh it has its own pocket. I think in, in Nashville, it's just not a pocket so much. It's like uh, pretty ubiquitous. and um, It's more like pockets of people who don't write songs. Right yeah. right, yeah, it's like I meet somebody who doesn't write, and I'm like, oh, that's so fascinating. What do you do? <laughs> it used to be like something I could use to set myself apart. I'd be like, oh, I I play music, and people would be like, that's really interesting. Now here people are like, okay, well, what else do you do? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Tell me something actually interesting. Yeah. yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me.
0: Oh, you're good. Um. So, let's see. You played in pop punk bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of moved into your. Uh, you kind of morphed into it through the years, and then what would you say like you're you're playing now? Because I th- I feel like there's like kind of blues influence a little bit in there, and yeah,
1: yeah. I think there's some of that. Um. I guess. Uh I don't know that, that Americana umbrella is a big umbrella. Yeah. I was playing a show. Uh, <laughs> I was playing a $2 Tuesday a couple of months back and, um, the guy running it was like on stage was like, Hey, uh, how would you describe your music? And I was like, Americana. And he's like, yeah, that's no good. How else would you <laughs> describe it? I was like, uh, folk blues kind of rock sometimes. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the kind of a, um, uh, hodgepodge of the stuff that I listen to, which is, you know, like Jason Isbell and Greg Ellen Isakov and all that stuff. So all the things fall into the sort of acoustic folk Americana umbrella. But so how do
0: you usually craft a song? Do you start with like lyrics or melody chord progressions?
1: Um, it's never the same. I have yet to meet someone who it's always the same for, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people do have like a more of a method of that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's a hook that pops into my head in the car. Um, sometimes I don't know. Writing is, is a, is a pretty tedious process for me a lot of the time. I think I like the reward of doing it. I like the little moments of like the aha moments yeah but a lot of times i'm just like this is terrible <laughs> i don't want to be doing this but um yeah so sometimes it's just a matter of like okay i'm not entirely inspired right now but i'm gonna sit down with my guitar and see if the muse walks into the room and if she doesn't then uh you know i'm gonna work is it i'm trying to think of who said that they're like um when i don't when i'm not inspired to write i work or something like that but i think that's really true and i think um it's kind of like flexing a muscle sort of and that the more that you work it uh the more readily it'll be available when you are inspired um but i'm also i take i take a long time to write songs longer than i should i got one out recently in like a couple of days and i was like what what is this gift from the gods right now <laughs> usually i'm like wrestling a bear for three months I have to come home and wrestle this ravenous damn bear and try to get two lines out a day, but um I don't know. So uh,
0: so do you write multiple songs at a time or do you just work on one at a time?
1: Yeah, I th- yeah, usually I'm working on a couple things or um but sometimes it's just like, okay, I'm I'm sitting down to write with the intention of writing and I'll do two things. I'll um I'll go through my the notes in my phone cuz I do everything in my phone. I never use paper. I'm like, there's nothing traditional about about my <laughs> writing style. I'll go through notes in my phone, see what ideas like I've <clears throat> um, put in there recently, or I'll go through voice memos. And I have like, as I'm sure you do, hundreds, if not yeah. a couple thousand voice memos in there. So, so, sometimes I'll just go through and just, you know, even just to delete old stuff and I'm like, nah, this is no good. But then something from a couple of years will be in there. and I'm like, ah, that's kind of interesting. So I'll work that for a little bit. But um, really just, I don't know. I've gotten good at, at using lots of different methods because I don't think like any one ever sticks or consistently works for me. Um, and I don't always have the focus to just work on one song at a time. I feel like usually I'm just jumping around and, seeing what I can chase down for a little while that day.
0: Yeah. I I feel you on that. And I know some people that are like, if they don't finish it in that session, they don't feel like it's even their song anymore. Uh I've heard people say Uh stuff like that. I will like, sometimes I'm, I've got a good role going and I still have to stop because I know like I can feel the steam kind of coming out of it.
1: Right. That's, I think that's smart too though. And I mean, you know, people have different ways of writing and, you know all the power to those people, but those same people, you know, that I've talked to, who are like, I can't come back to a song. They also seem kind of envious about like the ability to edit, um, and I'm learning that too. Is you know, a lot of times I'll edit as I go, yeah, but that can slow me up a lot too, to where I'm like, it doesn't have to be the perfect line right away. Like, just keep moving along with the song. Come right. back come back later, because if I do that, a lot of times I'll just, you know tie myself up and be like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do now, so nothing's coming out, so okay, fine, I'll leave this song alone, and it's like, yeah, but you might have had a melody, you might have had a chord structure sitting somewhere in your head that would have come out, but um, I don't know, I try a lot of different methods, not all of them work, 95% of them don't work (laughs) on any given day.
0: I feel you on that but that's how you get the good songs. Yeah, is you yeah, just keep yeah. trying. The, you do the bad ones and get those out of the way. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's important.
0: But uh ha, do you ever pull one out that you wrote like a long time ago and you're like, "Oh, damn, this is actually not bad. Maybe I should use this."
1: I kind of yeah, or or was something that like I I used to play that I don't really play anymore. Um and I think I don't know, it's interesting the relationship that you can have with songs, especially old songs, to where you're like, you played it too much and maybe you started hating it or getting sick of it and then you pull it out you know years later and you're like this is actually all right there's some stuff i should tweak here but this is actually okay um or even song ideas too like you know not fully fleshed out ideas but like old voice memos or whatever that i'll be like oh i had something here and it's you it's strange because you you go back to it and you're you know, a lot of times not in the same headspace that you were when you wrote it. Right. But hearing it can inspire something else. So that's always, that's always an interesting feeling. It feels like you're writing someone else's song at that point. Yeah. Or even
0: like I've written, you know, a verse and a chorus and maybe I hadn't found like the resolution in my life. And then, you know, six months later you found that resolution and you can finish the song. Uh You know i think
1: songs can be like uh self-fulfilling prophecies sometimes too to where you'll write a verse chorus and be like maybe it wasn't entirely your truth at that moment but then it comes true and then you can write the rest of the song because it's like you know hopefully it's a happy song if that's the case (laughs) if it's a sad song then you're like oh well this sucks i'm just (laughs) gonna start writing all happy songs (laughs) from now on i'm gonna write songs about me getting rich and being happy and then it's going to happen. I don't think it works that way, but we'll find out. <laughs> oh, man.
0: So you're going down to Texas, and what's next? When Are you, are you recording
1: anymore? Or? I'd love to. Um, it's just the <laughs> the money thing. Well, and when you get rich. Yeah, of course, yeah. right, when I write my happy, rich songs and I get happy and rich. <laughs> but then I'm not going to have anything to write about because I'll be happy and rich, and I only really write sad songs. So, um, But, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I have probably most uh, most of a new record written. Um, but I'd really like to get it so that I have like, I don't know, f- 13, 14, 15 songs and then have, and then I can pick nine or 10 from those. Um, but like I said, I write really slow, so, uh, it might be another, <laughs> it might be another year and a half until that's done. But, um, yeah, I've, I've gone in recently and, um, Done some demos uh of of some newer stuff that I'm that I'm pretty proud of. I think it's, it's some of my my better songwriting, but um yeah, I don't know, just staying at it and staying on the road and then I think that's a that's a good place to try out new songs too and see, you know, what songs could be good to put on a record or, you know, you get out and play a song live and it falls flat and then you try it again and it falls flat and you're like, okay. Maybe that one wasn't as good as as I thought it was, but um, I think the road is is a really good place to figure out where you're at and and what's good and what's bad and help you pair stuff down a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's another thing that I had done where I I had played a song probably like four or five times just in a certain area and it Mm -hmm. didn't do well. And then um, we were in a round in Baton Rouge and it just so happened that like whatever like the topic of everyone's song was uh, naming other songs. And mm-hmm. so there was an, a couple of names in this song. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll play this one. And like the crowd loved it. It's funny.
1: like, <laughs> And then it breathes life back into it. Yeah. Yeah. We're a, we're a fickle uh, group of people with that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I would love if I could just like be proud of a song or, you know, even on the other side, be like, this song is crap and just be decisive about it. And be, But I mean... I guess it's kind of fair because we're out there playing in front of crowds and, you know, you're getting reactions. But that's gone both ways for me where I'm like, I don't really like this song, but I'll play it tonight. And then, it you know, it gets a good crowd response. And then I'm like, oh, this is the best thing I ever wrote. <laughs> yeah. Or on the other side where I'm like, I have this really great song, but I played it like at the wrong time to the wrong crowd or whatever. And then I'm like, this sucks. This song's terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, but it's... It is true, but it also does help you find out because like sometimes, you know, you'll play a song and consistently everyone mm-hmm. loves it. So, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. But yeah,
1: hopefully. I don't know that I've, I've ever had like one that was just like it landed every single time, but um I'd like to. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So. You got, you got enough songs for a, a new album, just waiting to get the money together for it or
1: yeah, finish, finish writing the... Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, admittedly I've kind of just started touring too. I mean, I've been working a job as a warehouse manager for the past couple of years, um, that I just quit a couple of Fridays ago. Yo. It feels good to say that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I booked some tours like kind of through the summer, but, um, and you know they th- these shows pay, but usually it's enough that you kind of break even. Like right. that's kind of my goal right now. Like yeah. I don't want to end up in the red going uh, going on a tour. Although cracking a radiator a half hour into your tour is a good way to uh, <laughs> to lose money. But yeah. but yeah, so in terms of you know raising money to to do a record, you know I don't know if I'll do a Kickstarter at some point or just uh, you know sell myself on the street or do whatever i have to do to make money but (laughs) i probably won't do that um but yeah that's the goal we'll see
0: so tell me a little bit about um your tour experience with uh let's talk about kirsten maxwell first
1: yeah she's um she's really killer she's a um folk artist out of uh, long island um but i met her last year at um the Kerrville Folk Festival and she was a finalist uh, 2016 but she was there last year too but um, I heard this like gorgeous I was going to say little voice not little voice she's a big voice but I heard this gorgeous voice coming out from underneath the canopy and I went over and I was like can I just she stopped playing and I was like can I listen to you Like, can you keep playing she was like o- okay and like kind of shy and bashful and then she started singing and I was just like misty-eyed within 30 seconds of listening <laughs> to her um but she's uh she's really really killer she um really great voice she's kind of uh in the Joni Mitchell Joan Baez sort of vein um and really good writer too and I think she's definitely coming to her own in the past year um so yeah so we we kept in touch after uh after Kerrville last year and then a few months ago I was like hey let's uh would you ever want to do a tour together and she was like yeah and then like a few days later she's like okay i booked this show and i was like oh okay like (laughs) we're doing this which is great because um what's the what's the joke it's like uh how many musicians does it take to change a light bulb and it's like uh, a thousand to sit around talking about it and one to actually do it yeah but that's uh she's she's really just a go-getter and she's Um, so yeah, so we talked about doing that tour and then she booked a show and then I had something up North that I had too. So we kind of just built it out from there Had a couple anchor gigs and then filled in the gaps. Um, but we did a really kind of like wide variety of, of different sorts of shows. We played, um, ISIS music hall in Asheville. Have you played there yet?
0: I haven't played there, but. Clint who was just on yeah, the yeah. show uh, was just there.
1: Oh cool. Yeah, it's a it's a great little spot. There's like um two or uh, three different sta- I think it's two different stages you can play there. We played the smaller one, but it was a really great like listening room um and then from there we played a uh house show in Baltimore. Um that was really great. Uh and then You know, I played uh, another house show in Jersey. I'm trying to think now. It all feels like a blur. (laughs) Um, But the house shows are really fun, too. I don't know. They are, yeah. I've heard people say that, like, that it can kind of be, like, a dead end of sorts and that the people who go to house shows aren't people who are going to come out to shows in the future, which I don't know why that is. Like, I've heard several people say that, too. But um, especially for this you know, the the people that I met there, I think was, there was some really great folk communities and definitely some good contacts that I made. Um And it was just fun to play. I mean, both the rooms that we played in were really great. Um
0: Yeah, some of my favorite shows in the past six months have been house shows. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's nice because people listen. I mean, like, bars are fun, too. Bars and venues, you know, depending on, on what they are, they can be fun. But... um you know, a lot of times it's, you know, people aren't there to hear music and they're there to drink, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I think if if it is a sort of listening environment, I I, I could see where I'd get a little peeved by that kind of stuff, but because um, it does happen a lot. But house shows, you know, you're kind of like everybody's really packed in, close together, and you know, if you if you whisper. The person across the room can hear it, so yeah, it's kind of nice to just have a place to uh, that you know, like your songs will be heard, and you know, your lines just won't get buried in the uh, hustle and bustle or whatever.
0: I did play one Bad House show. Did you? Um, I won't say where it is because um, the people were fantastic people, but uh, it was just the the crowd came to see their buddy who opened, uh, and at one point, one of the guys literally they were passing the bucket and he said can i make sure that the money goes to him and pointed to his friend and not him and pointed to me like at me wow so and then left proceeded to leave after he gave the money so that that one wasn't the the best
1: yeah that's uh, i could see that that being frustrating and throwing you off a little bit yeah
0: yeah but it was still it was great you know the people that stayed were all awesome but it was a, it was a very <laughs> interesting thing where they did the break and then
1: like half the crowd left jeez but yeah anyway. that's that's usually when like I don't know if if you're talking about like who's gonna open and who's gonna close it's I feel like it's good sometimes to get a read for like well who has more people showing up because yeah. you play <laughs> second you know
0: yeah it was that was most of the time they're really good though, and people are like really awesome about listening. And yeah, even if they aren't like music fans, it's like a whole new experience for them. so yeah. they feel really excited about it. Yeah, but um, so and then you've been touring with Nick Nace, or you're about to tour.
1: Yeah, we just did. Um, yeah, Nick's another really great uh folk writer in town. He's kind of in the uh, John Prine sort of sort of dude. Yeah, um, he would say Steve Goodman, but. Um, but we, uh, yeah, we did, um, about a week, a little more than a week in Texas a couple months ago. Uh, and then we're about to go do a similar run kind of through Texas, but Texas is also a massive, massive state. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you book a show in two cities on the East coast and it's like, Oh, it's only, you know, four hours from point A to point B and you get down to Texas and you're like, Oh, I have to drive nine and a half hours to get to the next show. And you get to right. the show and you're just like, Oh God. Um, but it is, it is great. I think we kind of, uh, space this one out well to where the cities aren't too far, but, um, but yeah, so we're playing, uh, Fort Worth, I think Houston, um, Austin, uh, down in Harlingen, Texas, which is like just seven miles north of the border. It's like a different oh. it's like a different world down there. Um but yeah, there's this place called uh well it's formerly the Prelude. Um it was just a really great spot. We played last time and then they've recently closed, but they're reopening up the street. Uh, I think they're called Corsi Guitars. But just really good. I don't know. They're all they're all songwriters there. Yeah. Um so they kind of uh I don't know, are, are sweeter and they understand kind of your needs as a songwriter and stuff. And they take care of us when we go down there too. So, um, so yeah, that'll be, uh, another trip out to Texas, which should be fun.
0: That's great. Yeah. we I was, we were just talking when the mics were off about
1: Nick. I can't get away from that dude. everywhere. <laughs> it. Nick's ubiquitous in Nashville. Yeah. It's because of his damn drinking problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Makes but, uh, good songs i guess. <laughs> well, he's he's smart too like Nick is. He's one of those dudes like if his buddies are playing, you know, he'll go see them and you know, most most nights of the week he's at a bar, or at a venue, but um I think he's really good about I don't even know if he if he does it for that reason. I was going to say he's good at kind of um scratching people's backs, but I think it's more just, you know, he loves music and he likes yeah. his friends, so he goes out and listens to them, but yeah. um yeah, he's everywhere. He also likes Motown Mondays. We he does have, like we danced <laughs> on the, the stage together at Motown Mondays. So Hell yeah. Fun. <laughs> I like Motown Monday too. Just not this time of year because it's too damn hot. It's too and, hot, man. Yeah. It's you, ridiculous. You pack 150 people into the five spot and it's like 90 degrees outside. And yeah. You know, within 30 seconds of dancing, you're just pouring sweat. Yeah. Which I'm usually sweating anyway because I'm not a very good dancer. So I'm like <laughs> trying extra hard. Yeah. Um but yeah,
0: well, that's what's great about uh, Motown Mondays is you don't have to be a good dancer. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Nobody's watching you once you get over your own, your own BS and realize that everybody's just kind of in their own thing. It's yeah, it's good. But, it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: So uh, we were also talking uh, earlier about reading. Uh, what kind of books do you read? Do you, and do you. Ever use that as like a muse for songwriting?
1: Yeah, not as much as I I should. I mean, I I do read a fair bit, but I'll kind of go through um, like spurts and and phases. Um, but I know there's a lot of a lot of songwriters, uh, higher level songwriters that I really respect are like, you know, reading is you're kind of just feeding that element of your brain that that turns out and and spits out lyrics or gets ideas. Um, so I've been trying to do that more. I just finished a, a really great book called "Visit from the Goon Squad." Okay, um, Jennifer Egan wrote it. It's a uh, really, really great. It was. It's basically, um, oh, if I'm getting this correct, but it's it, it kind of it, it explores like several. Uh, or or this this large group of characters and it'll start um, like kind of 20 years in the future where where it'll be like these two different characters and it introduces them and then the next chapter it'll flash back uh, 20 years to two totally different characters and then it kind of starts to weave together and um, you start to see like why certain characters are acting the way that they are and it's kind of based uh, around like the 80s punk scene at first. Okay. And then it kind of gets to, like, the future to where, like, music has all but died. The end is kind of, like, depressing, but in, like, a slightly uplifting way. Um, but it's cool. It's I guess, like, it's kind of akin to, like, a movie, like... Have you ever seen Crash before? Yeah. Where, basically, you have, <clears throat> like, a bunch of different characters and it starts to slowly weave together their stories. Right. Um, but it's just... I think the best way I've described it is just like a book about humans being human and like, you know, screwing up and, you know, figuring out their issues and their bullshit over the year and kind of navigating their way through that. But um, it's really great. Uh, And then what else do I read? I read a lot of uh, like Cormac McCarthy. Okay. um, Which is like some of that stuff feels like it's way above my pay grade. It's like... (laughs) Like, he'll just go on these, like, 10 to 15-page monologues just describing one piece of landscape. Um, And he's just really just a very visceral, incredible writer. He writes a lot of stuff that, like, takes place in the West. Um, There's a book called um, Blood Meridian that's, like, uh, takes place in, like, the 1850s. And he went so far as to, like, learn the language of that region of that time. Um, And it's really cool too. Like he'll, um, he'll have like Spanish throughout his novels or a lot of them anyway. Yeah. But he won't translate it for you. So you have to figure it out. You have to figure it out. So you can either, I used to do it where, when I first started reading him where I'd be there with like Google translate and translate it. But there's so much Spanish throughout it that eventually, like, I don't know, it's weird. You can, like, pick out certain words that you recognize, like cognates, yeah. and then use context clues to kind of figure it out. But he's kind of like, he's just one of those writers that he'll, like, he doesn't use a lot of punctuation, like a... I just think of like high school teachers who are like, don't write run-on sentences, <laughs> you know, like separate your ideas. And he's like one of those masters, like he just knows the rules and breaks them all over the place. That's awesome. Um, so he's, yeah, but he's uh, he's a really interesting, um, I don't know, heady is kind of like the best word I could use to describe it. But it's like one of those writers where you could read his novel once and then go back 3 months later and take like all new things out of it and then read it again and be like okay i actually didn't get any of that like it's just very um dense but really good writing. He he's the guy who uh um No Country for Old Men, you know oh, that okay. movie. Yeah. Yeah, he he wrote that book originally. He also he also wrote um The Road, which they made a movie out of that, which I haven't seen because i've heard not good things about it. And I'm one of those people, I'm like, oh, the book's better. Um, <laughs> I actually thought No Country for Old Men that the movie was comparable to the book. I thought they did a really good job with it, but that's the Coen brothers too, so they weren't the going to screw that up. Um, but yeah, a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's, I, I was reading a lot of Cormac McCarthy a couple of years ago, and then I would sit down to write in these sort of like, cowboy-esque songs would come out and then it took me a little while to realize like the link between that like what i was reading was i had sort of primed my mind for like that kind of language or those kind of songs and i was like why am i reading these cowboy songs and then i was like oh that's probably that's probably why but probably means i need to start reading happy books too so that maybe i can prime my mind for happy songs
0: yeah, I've been trying to read more poetry as well because I feel awesome. like that's a great uh, form because, you know, the medium of of just like uh, prose is mm-hmm. you can't really, you know, translate it as well to uh, to songs. as like a lot of poetry. So I've been reading um, a lot of poetry as well. And man, I picked up. Uh, um, God, what is the name of that book? I'm going to come back to you with it, but it's, uh, oh my God, my mind's somewhere in there, but yeah, he's a, <laughs> he, he's a songwriter too. And this guy is just like phenomenal. And I'm blanking so hard cause okay, let's, let's just be honest. I'm hungover right now. <laughs> so I wasn't going to say it, but I yeah, am, little, I am too. It's Saturday morning. At it's
1: Saturday at, morning. 10:30 AM. Give us a break guys. Give us a We're break. Nashville musicians. <laughs> We were both we gotta out the role.
0: <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's, it's really helped a lot with my, um, songwriting, just like reading uh, more poetry yeah. as well.
1: It's a different, it's a, obviously a very different medium. Um, and I've only, <coughs> excuse me, I've only very recently started getting into poetry and I don't know, I don't know why, but, um, I have a good, a good friend, uh, Edgar Coons. He just won, um he's going to be so mad if he hears this. And I butchered it. I think it's called the Stegner Fellowship, but it's uh, basically this government grant that they give out to like a couple writers a year. Um, and he he recently, probably in the past couple of years, really started to get me into poetry. Um, yeah, Edgar Coons, K-U-N-Z. He's, I'm name dropping him because he's killer and not enough people know him about up, him yeah. yet, but he's he's uh, he's coming up. But yeah, it is, a, it is a, obviously a, I think there are some parallels between poetry and songwriting a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, sometimes like just in the way that you use language or the way like you, you, you know, you can build tension or even just like meter learning like how to break up lines and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I do need to, I need to read more poetry. If you have suggestions, please, by all means. Let me,
0: let me uh, you know, maybe not be as hungover and I'll give you some <laughs> suggestions later. <laughs> Can't even remember the name of any of the books I'm reading right now. But, um, yeah, it's, there's, I feel like there's more freedom to the form, mm-hmm. maybe, than mm-hmm. traditional songwriting, but there's just the way that, yeah, they um, sort of build, like, the room up for you or the area, like you understand like what's going on or like the, the feeling like in such a, a beautiful and eloquent yeah. way, it really like, again, opens up that, that channel of my brain to yeah. kind of like maybe put something out a little bit better than like, you know, a little bit more thoughtful. You yeah. Know? I think there's a Lyrical. lot
1: of, um, songwriters who kind of write more, uh, poetically too. Um, yeah. I mean like, of course, like Dylan, you know cuz he was reading well yeah. Dylan Thomas and all that and T S Eliot and all that yeah. stuff but um even like like i think about like Bruce Springsteen a lot of people like think Springsteen is well and he is i mean he obviously was like the uh you know jersey rocker especially during those first few records but um he's got a couple records that i've gotten into recently uh i guess there's the trilogy there's uh Nebraska uh Ghost of Tom Joad and Devils and Dust and I think all those records, like they're uh it's like mostly just the acoustic guitar. I think a lot of times he's kind of infamous for like letting meter go by the wayside and packing syllables into a line. Um, but he does it, you know, really poetically and, and um really beautifully too. And then another is uh do you listen to um Gregory Alan Isakov? Yeah, yeah. He's um my buddy Edgar, actually, who the poet I just mentioned, he got to interview him on his... I hope I'm allowed to say that. I think I'm allowed to say that. But he got to interview Gregory like out on his uh, ranch that he lives at uh, in Colorado. And he got to see his writing process, which I thought was so interesting. So get this. He has like basically an entire wall, from my understanding, is an entire wall just covered in sticky notes. Really? And he'll write down like one or two lines on each sticky note and he'll again from my understanding he'll like move them around um and kind of you know have like alternate ideas for lines and so if you if you listen to him he's a very like fragmented sort of writer like Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of guys like you know isbel who are like they're you know He's incredible. He's poetic, but he's also, you know, very linear. I think that's kind of more how I write. Um, yes. Whereas somebody like like Gregory, I think it it looks, sounds, and reads more like poetry because you get kind of all these different fragmented ideas put together that sort of, you know, evoke an emotion rather than an understanding always of exactly right. what he's talking about. Or like sometimes, like with his songs, I'm like if somebody asked me what is what does this song mean i'd be like i don't really know i know how it makes me feel yeah and i think a lot of uh a lot of poetry um can be like that too but uh i, agree I would with i would love to be able to or, or to challenge myself to write a song like that because i think like i sit down and i'm like you know you, you sit down and sometimes half a verse comes out and then you're like okay, what does this mean? What is the character? What am I trying to say? And where is it going? Yeah. Uh, And I think that's, you know, that's cool. It's a great, I think that can be a great way to write. But I also do love, trying to think who else does it. I think uh, Josh Ritter is another guy who I think he um, writes ideas a lot. Uh, And like he'll kind of put a bunch of different ideas together in one song that all kind of fall into the same sort of theme um but it comes off much more poetic to me that way he's so good he's
0: he's definitely one of my favorites
1: he is really he's really killer i think he can uh he can write all sorts of different but you know then again he does have some some very linear songs too um i just discovered uh Oh, i'm not gonna be able to think of the name of the record now but it's uh i'm i'm hungover too <laughs> it's not it's, the historic conquests of is it uh no that record's incredible yeah, too. Yeah. the temptation of adam Tem- yeah. song on that yes that took me like i'll probably sound like a dummy because some people and this will be like i heard that song and got it the first time but it took me like a dozen listens through of, listen throughs of that song to be like oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh okay yeah that's incredible um he's got some great lines in there god man uh what's the the avalanche line he's um uh he's talking about an avalanche and then he says my eyes got washed away in chain reactions and just like that paired against the avalanche i'm just like you smart son of a bitch yeah um but he are we allowed to swear on this podcast i just realized i'm dead. no you're fine are, i don't know if this is gonna get bleeped out later <laughs> uh he's got another one uh another song called um uh another new world Have you ever heard that song
0: i think so which which album
1: it's this is the album i can't think of the the, the song the curse is on it too oh yeah yeah that's
0: uh, um Yep, we're both hungover. I know what. I know what, I know what album. You're talking <laughs> I can about.
1: picture the the cover because it's like a black and white uh, uh, photo of a ship. But that song, uh, "Another New World," it's about. I think it, it like takes place in like the early 1900s, but it's about this um, captain of this ship called the Annabelle Lee. Yeah, and he uh, he wants to do like one last big voyage to basically be the first person to go like as far north as you can to find, like, paradise, because, like, and he also, it's so clever how there's, like, clearly, like, a misunderstanding of how the world works, and he kind of writes that into the song, and, like, to have this captain that thinks, like, there's this island paradise, you know, once you get north of the, or, you know, get to the North Pole or whatever, but he writes, um, yeah, just this story of this uh, ship captain who takes this crew out for basically like one last voyage and then basically like his crew entirely dies off and uh he ends up having to like burn uh his ship for like timber to, to stay alive and kind of the love affair that he has with this ship but like songs like that i just look at and i'm like how much research or you know did you have to do to write this or maybe you didn't have to do any research in which case like you're just a genius to have had this sitting in your brain to have it come out but yeah i think he's he's really incredible he's definitely somebody who's uh influenced me recently with with some newer stuff but
0: he's 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 a great songwriter yeah well, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, we're going to try something new this time. I'm going to have Chris uh, play a new song for you. So uh, here it comes.
1: Cool. Cool. This is uh, a new tune called uh, Live Till We Die. goes like this.
2: Made out with a drunk girl In my high school reunion The one with the pretty smile We used to joke about screwing Turns out nobody talked to her She moved out of state Divorced with three kids Like they all are these days And I was home for the holidays With mama pulling out her hair Dad says he's gonna leave her But every year he's still there cousin stew drinks by the phone uncle jimmy still ain't been found seems we're all on a train we don't know where it's bound but i'm thankful for this life glory hallelujah may we live till we die Pastor Bob got arrested, the Browns moved to Bixby, started seeing this woman, she thinks she can fix me, but she's a Jackson State fan, and I like TSU, My Mama seems to like her, so I probably should too, I gave up the bottle, flushed my last pack, but I still get those headaches, got that thing with my back. Never notice the years that go faster now what I wouldn't give sometimes to make them slow down and I'm thankful for this life Glory hallelujah May we live till we die I'm writing this letter From a diner in Houston With my last pile of cash But I haven't been using Tell Tommy he can have my Gibson Buy some shit for the house Take good care and I love you Gotta be going now But I'm thankful For this life Glory, hallelujah, may we live till we die, but I'm thankful for this life, glory, hallelujah, may we live till we die.
0: you're done following all those other uh instagrams and facebook's and all that you can also check me out at will payne harrison i'm pretty much at will well at will p harrison on twitter and then will payne p-a-y-n-e harrison on everything else um next week we've got mr wilson harwood on the show a good friend of mine and an amazing producer songwriter singer banjo player all around just talented fella so uh be looking out for that that'll come out in a few weeks and uh until then maybe you can go back into the archive and uh check out some of the old episodes including caleb edwards and jason hawk harris who was just featured on rolling stone so um maybe go back and listen to him and fawn larson we got a lot of good podcasts and a lot that are going to be coming up so please uh follow us on all the social medias follow chris and uh we'll see you soon thanks so much